welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. In today's podcast, we feature an episode from Ask a Painter Live with Nick Slavic. In this episode, Nick talks with Tom Drost from Estimate Rocket about 2022 planning, the importance of data and how you can use it to be more effective in running your business. Nick Slavic. I'm the proprietor of the Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company. I'm also the host of this show, Ask a Painter Live, which is a weekly live Facebook show where I use my almost three decades of experience in this trade to answer any questions, talk about any topics, and basically uh, combine two things that Tom and I both love, data and feelings, uh, into into this sort of thing. So uh, today uh, we are obviously going to be talking with Tom Drost of Estimate Rocket. There's a whole bunch of things to talk about. Uh, Estimate Rocket is only one of them. Tom's a business owner. He has a vision conference going on uh we again last time we did this i i was uh i was telling your wife that i felt really self-conscious because it felt like after about 10 minutes it felt like we we regressed into two business owners having coffee and talking about the things we're most interested in so honestly not bad feedback on the show so i'm feeling we might regress back into that sooner or later so for sure All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Uh, This is an open show. You can ask Tom, you can ask me anything you guys want to know. I really appreciate you guys uh, joining us this morning. It is a winter wonderland out here in Minnesota. So we got my fake fire, the best I can do back here. We got a foot of fresh snow yesterday and all my kids are sledding right outside this window here. And uh, this is what we live in Minnesota for, this stuff. (laughs) So uh, Tom, uh, first off, before we dive into all the heady sort of data and feeling stuff, um, tell us about Estimate Rocket, for those who don't know about it. Sure. Uh, So Estimate Rocket is a uh, platform for service contractors to basically run their businesses from lead to paid. But we have some focuses on things that are very specific to contractors uh, and help them to grow their businesses specifically, because that's really a big thing that that we found that contractors need help with. And that's really what we're about is helping them thrive and succeed. And and one thing that I've always uh, the, the impression that you and Estimate Rocket leave on me all the time is that, yes, it's it's a it's a technical piece of I think I can call it software that yeah. will that will help a painter. But you guys also know as business owners yourself, it's not about just what that estimate template looks like. It's all that data and all that other stuff on the back end that makes it successful. So I've, my impression has always been you guys are very intentional and very conscious of everything besides just the flagship estimate form. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We're, uh, and, that, and part of that comes from my background was uh, accounting before I started working in software. So I have, I bring those accounting business fundamentals into everything I do. I don't want to make it like accounting software. I want it to be way easier than accounting software, but it needs to have some things that tie the ends together and make everything meaningful when you actually look at the output of it in the reports. No, and I I, I love that sort of thing. And it's not a coincidence that, you know, when you look into the chief operating officers, uh, chief executive officers of a lot of businesses, they have a 
a real rigorous financial background because right, right. that is honestly one of the most helpful things. And I confided in you the last show that I double minored in two forms of accounting in college and I learned just enough to know to hire a good CPA. So, <laughs> I know I didn't, but again, that, that base level knowledge is, is insanely helpful. Really and, and I see that as a time through what you guys do and what you guys create. Yeah, it's really, it is really important as a business owner or, and even, even as an employee of business to have some understanding of what a profit and loss statement is and what a balance sheet is and how they work. And, you know, they're relatively simple at their heart. You know, they can become really, really complex, but not necessarily. And, and but understanding the fundamentals of them is, is, uh, is well worth it because then you understand where, you know, Hey, we thought we were here and we're here. Well, why are we? Well, these numbers here to explain why all those and, receipts. <laughs> you know, I, I had a really interesting revelation in the last couple of weeks here, which was, you know, it's the end of the year. Us business owners get super introspective. We start reading poetry books and we start going back into our business books and we start trying to find meaning and we start planning for what's the world going to look like? What do I wish for my kids? You know, we, it's that time of year, you know, right, right. and um, in talking to a bunch of business owners recently, I've realized that they judge the success and failure or mediocrity of their business based on their tax forms at the end of the year. And right. for those of us who are who are who have a background in, in accounting, you understand tax accounting is not the same as internal key performance indicators or managerial exactly. accounting, as most people call it. And you right. can't use that as a level that that is governed by laws of the federal government and deductions right. and things that don't really matter to the business. So yeah. man, it, it, I really re, I feel for those business owners who are basically waiting for April to find out how their businesses did. And, and sadly, Tom, as you know, it, that that tax return isn't going to give you a lot of answers. No, no, it's going to give you a lot of questions. That's what it's going to give you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, but, I mean, listen, most painters don't understand their their internal managerial numbers, let alone the federal right. tax code and how that implies right. to their business. So, sure. um, I, I did see uh, Chris Shank just posted. Uh, you guys have a vision conference going on, and um, in the I was looking at it this week. In uh, the next. Uh, you guys just did profit planning. The next gathering you'll have is about cost benefit analysis, which mm -hmm. is like one of my favorite things on the face of the planet. Like, <laughs> what are people going to get in that? <laughs> uh, I just think we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about the different things that you can control in your business uh, and how to look at them. And after our, our previous discussion, we'll probably talk a little bit about what you can't control because there's no point wasting your time on that. Be aware of it. Move on. You know, to the things that you can work on and control. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about uh, things like training. You know, what is it? What? Why do we want to train our people? It's just going to cost time and money for us to go train. Well, yeah, but if if your people get better and they do and they learn new skills and new things, it makes your company more valuable in the marketplace and your people more valuable in the marketplace. So it it, it really really makes a big difference. You know the uh, the the biggest takeaway I have from this last year when talking to other business owners, not just paint business owners, is is basically that controlling what you can control because there's two big things going on right now. And this is a perfect segue to what we were talking before, which is material shortage, material price increase. And now all of a sudden in the national news is hammering inflation, which means the same things we bought last year are just going to cost more. And you and I, I assume both believe the same thing, which is do you feel like you can control the amount and the price of paint that Sherwin Williams or Benjamin Moore is going to turn out? 
Not so much. <laughs> no, no, not really. I mean, worthy effort, but good luck. And again, most of us don't even understand the macro economy, let alone what inflation is and how it's going to affect us. So right. if you hang your hat on next year saying, you know what, I'm not going to do all these things because it's going to be inflation. What are you going to do? Tom, what do we say to people about that source? <laughs> Set it aside and move on, move ahead. Yeah. Worry about the things you can control as a business owner. And you brought up the perfect thing, training, which is 40 to 50% of all of our revenue will use to be paid to pay for humans in our business. So materials, 10 to 15%, give or take. So right. if you think you're going to make some miraculous change in your business uh, based on a can of paint, and that's going to move you from unprofitable, horrible business to profit. Uh, boy, that would, if you can do that with materials, I would love to see that. I've never seen one example. I have seen miraculous turnarounds with what you said, training your yeah. people. 40 to 50% of your revenue is going to be used to fund the humans in your company. That's where you need to put your time and effort. That's a direct yeah. thing you can impact. Absolutely. And it pays back over and over for both the company and for your team members. I mean, they, as they grow, they feel better, they work better and, and they're going to do more and better for you. And it's interesting. Cost benefit analysis is one of my favorite things. I took away like three or four, um, just staples of the uh, economic terms, you know, a yeah. tragedy of the commons, cost benefit analysis, opportunity costs. These are things that us, you're smiling because this is, this is the things that we love. <laughs> cost benefit analysis is if you have 80 hours to put into your business, you, you, let's say you have a choice, train somebody. Uh, in my company, we have a two-week apprenticeship, 80 hours, where we have a training facility. We can bring you in and train you or mess around with materials. Uh, it's going to cost, give or take, you know, uh, I think in my company, it costs $2,440 to train somebody who's never painted before to do basic painting. Mm -hmm. And in the cost-benefit analysis, in return, if they do well, they can return fifteen dollars to $20,000 for the right. company in their first year. If you had 80 hours to mess around with a can of paint to try to get a $15,000 return on it in a year, and we laugh because it's not possible. <laughs> no, it's not. It is absolutely not possible. And that cost benefit, you know, the other thing that I think is important, um, you know, I, we got educated in accounting, which was great and I appreciate it. But the important thing is that it's not, it doesn't have to be complex, but you have to, you have to pay attention. You have to learn enough to know how to make some decisions and what to look at to know, you know, how to make your company better and where the pain points are. And you just brought up a great one, the ratio of labor to materials. I mean, at knowing, just, just knowing that and going, oh, I need to focus here on this side because there really isn't the same kind of opportunity here that there is on the other side. And, it, and once you do that, you're like, oh, so let's let that go. And it's uh, to me that that we're, we're basically talking about job costing, which is something near and dear to our hearts. And it's something that based on the data we have about the painting industry, it's it's believed that somewhere between 90 and 98 percent of all painters probably do not know what this is and probably do not do it. And it is legitimately the key to any business. This is not a weird painting specific thing. People, the, the basic measure, if if you were going to talk to a private equity firm and they were going to you know, you were going to say, hey, uh, you should buy my painting business. The first thing they're going to ask for is, you know, what's the ratio of inputs to outputs and what's the po possible profit margin there? And most people say, hey, I made this much this last year. And they're going to say, that's not what I asked. I want to know how much you have to spend or use 
to produce a product on the other side. And that ratio is very, that's the first knee jerk sniff test that everybody does in business. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Gross profit. <laughs> Gross profit. And uh, okay. So Tom, uh, the main thrust of this, we're going down some avenues already. The main thrust of this is planning. And obviously uh, your conference is doing that uh, progressively. And I see dates all the way out till February. But what, when you think about 2021, people are going to start thinking about there's no good people out here. Uh, there's inflation, there's stagnation, there's this and that. But those are all macro kind of things that, again, we, we believe we can't control. So if that's all you're going to talk about, that doesn't feel like well-used effort. What should we be talking about for 2021? Well, I think uh, obviously labor. So, so we can't do anything about the big labor problem. However, we can do some things with our labor problems and issues and, and we need to focus on that. So we talked a minute ago about a little bit about training. Hey, if you've got some good people, you know, give them more training. They'll be, you know, you'll, you'll be able to get more productivity. And I think the other thing, and I know, um, I think I saw this on Instagram on one of your posts about, you know, how you hire people, you know, hire for attitude and don't hire, you don't, the training, you brought up the training ratio. You can train something, someone, yes, it will cost you money to train them. However, the return on that is huge. And, and you may not want to get experienced help all the time. You may want to have a training program where you're constantly bringing people up. And I think there's fear of that of, oh, I'm going to train them. I'm going to spend all this money. And then they're going to leave. Well, they're only going to leave if you're not treating them fairly or you're not giving them the opportunities to grow. And the training is not just, you know, like in, in my company, it's the two weeks with a recruiter in these training modules. But after that, then the mentorship starts. It's at least right. a one year process. And after that, we right. still do it. So again, it's not it's not that we're living in a completely new world where if you actively want to grow a business and grow a really progressive, cool business with great core values, I, I am firmly in the belief that you cannot put an ad out for experienced painters and grow at the rate that we need to to counter the attrition that naturally happens right. and get the enough people you need with the core values. So legitimately, the one piece of perspective that I now know that I did not have years ago was that substantial, ongoing, super innovative, interesting companies constantly recruit and constantly make their own. They are not relying on the, the people they need with the skills they need to just be floating around out there in the geographical area, in the time that they want them, that are looking for that. I, you're laughing because it's, I mean, when, you, when, yeah, when you talk about it like that, it's like, yeah, of course, you're not going to find that. Like data plus feelings, which we love. Right. I ran the data from the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. And at any one time, it's likely there is only about 152 people that call themselves painters in the entire state of Minnesota that are unemployed. Wow. And again, what what is the chance that one of those is in my geographical area, is looking for a job, sees the ad on Indeed or ZipRecruiter that I put out, yeah. recognizes it and contact. I mean, we're talking needle in a haystack. So right. the data plus the feelings is, yes, it's hard out there. But the piece of perspective I have that I did not have was that I felt like I was using too much time and too much money. To, to grow this business. Like, why aren't these people just coming to me naturally? Why don't they naturally just have the things I want? No real business relies on that. They spend tons of time, tons of money, intentionality on creating this. And constantly, if you hire 10 people and you only needed five, guess what? Don't stop. 
keep, right. keep that course going. Just like you said, right. keep that farm team running and just make your own. And, and that's the, I feel comforted now that I know that good companies do that and I'm not wasting my effort. <laughs> yeah. We, we kind of, we talked a little bit about, and I know it's harder for when you're, uh, your first hire is probably the most difficult hire you'll ever make. And that's a challenge. We talked a little bit about in the sales planning process, backlog to so many people are afraid of backlog and they're afraid of overcommitting. You don't have to overcommit schedule out, you know, people, if you're good, if you're good at what you do and you have a good reputation, people are okay to say, you know, you're going to get something. Oh no, I got to have it next week or forget it. But you're going to get a lot of people say, yeah, four or five weeks. That's fine. That, you know, not, that's not a rush thing. We're looking forward to doing it. Now all of a sudden you've got this book of business that goes out two or three months and all of a sudden it's, Hey, I can actually afford to hire somebody now and get him on the team and start building it out. Oh, a great, great question from, we're going to go down that road, uh, but Justin Fry from Facebook, uh, he wants to know what does a great hiring ad look like? And what does that look like for you, Tom? Uh, it, it's uh, hiring, it depends upon who you're hiring. I mean, they, they vary depending upon who the target is. Uh, I do think there's a new, and I'm kind of old school, I will admit this, and I've learned some new tricks in the in recent years, but there's really a focus on, especially young people, there's a focus about culture now. And culture is like the first thing that people are going down the list of. So things that, you know, things that you're talking about in general in your ad about your company, what your company is about, and getting people to be able to go, Hey, you know, that actually sounds like it might be an interesting place to work and I can, I'll be valued, I'll feel valued and I'll be able to be productive. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not a great, uh, I, I would ask a marketing person how to actually <laughs> that ad, but I think you have to talk about what, you know, if you've got a good company, you've got to tell people about your company and who, what, who you are and what you're about. You know, it's really interesting because, you know, when I travel around and give these master's classes, mm -hmm. I can't, I feel like I could, I could check the box heavily by just showing up and saying, here's the things that I do in my business. Here's an example. But right. I also want to connect it to intentionality and why. So I go to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. I go to all these surveys. Legitimately, the one thing that blew my mind about a year ago was you go to LinkedIn surveys, you go to the Pew Research Center, uh, you go to Gallup polls. Those are the ones that the most trusted polling organizations right. in the world, right? Universally, when they interview Gen Z and millennials, which is basically everybody under 40, the right. top number one thing that they are looking for in business. If you asked, if you asked us old timers who have been in this industry, why you say, <laughs> oh, all they want are trophies and money and they don't want to work. And legitimately that is nothing. They want development and connectedness. Right. That, and by far, it's not like, well, pay is number two and there's only a one point difference. No, there is one bar on that bar graph that's like they want connectedness, training and development. And honestly, from the business owner point of view, it's exhausting sometimes because that, that <laughs> it takes it takes a ton of effort, especially for people who grew up in an industry. I grew up in an industry where we're going to hire you and I don't ever want to hear from you again. You're going to show up to work every day and you are going to break yourself continuously improve don't give me any hassle and let's just coexist you know and so that was that those was were the days those were the days you know i'm glad i'm so glad i feel like i have a foot in two worlds right because like i i got brought up in in the most typical contracting business in the united states for the last 50 years which was yep. dad 
did dad was a journalist, couldn't find a future in it. So he painted like he did yep. in college. And then mom did the books. Yeah. And then his sons, he forced his sons into the business after that. And yep. it was basically that was every trades business in the United States for the last 50 years basically started right. that way. And now, you know, we're doing cloud computing, social media stuff, you know, we're, we're doing core values and we're having goal setting and review. It, so it's like, I have a foot in both worlds, it feels like, but I'm so glad I do because it kind of gives you that perspective of like, yeah, that, that is a thing that's gone now. There's, there's right. nobody who gets a job, stays for 41 years, retires and moves on with their life. So yeah. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't work. Doesn't work. Yeah. All right, let's go. I, I think uh, we got Anthony K. Do you have a bankroll for new employees or do you plan on incoming jobs to foot the bill for their payroll? That is an interesting, that feels like a chicken and the egg thing with uh -huh. planning. Tom, deep thoughts on that one. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, one of my, uh, one of my uh, personal focuses is I'm doing my planning is, and many, many coaches have talked to me in the, in, in the past and said the phrase cash is king. So, uh, you know, part of your efforts, you know, even when you're just getting started is you've got to, you do have to build up a cash reserve. And, and when you go to hire, yeah, the future jobs are going to pay for it. Uh, no question about it. And backlog is key when it comes to, Hey, having, having that backlog out there to know that you've got business coming to support hiring someone, but, but you got to make, you got to bank. Yes. You do have to bankroll a little up front because you got to be able to pay them each week while you're waiting for the invoices to get paid. So yeah, having, having cash is important and making that part of your, uh, your whole planning process is really important. You know, cash is actually a, a line in our plan. So, you know, sales, profit and cash because you need cash to fund things. So that needs to be part of your planning process. So interesting, interesting data point for everybody out there. Um, in the last five years, uh, we basically reset my business, right? I had three people working for me mm -hmm. and they all left on one Friday night. And, you know, yeah. one of them went to go be a pilot. Other went to religious mission work. All great things, right? Which leaves business owners in a bad spot, which is I couldn't be more pissed right now. Right. <laughs> Oh, proud of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, these are one of those adult lessons where it's not yeah. like, this would have been way easier if they all would have left, started a painting company in the same town and said, we're going to do everything right. this does, but better. That's like, <laughs> ah, you know, but this is one of those lessons where it's like, okay, in the last five years, um, growing this business, uh, that first year after we reset, I hired and trained 10 people. And I will tell you this, what Tom said is absolutely true. And if you can do it that way, please do that. I did not do it that way. I did not have a pile of cash that was carefully eked out to make sure that we did this. What I did was I used my own. So problems get solved with money and effort, right? So mm -hmm. you can solve it with money. That's a very sophisticated, smart, intelligent thing to do. I used my own effort, which that was an intentional thing. Right. At that point, I just worked extra hours to make sure we had that money coming in to sure. make sure that we had people, you know, our, our payroll covered and everything else that and I knew that obviously we're probably not going to be coming, blow the barn doors open, people making a whole bunch of profit right away. Right. So I was really intentional about, I need to devote my entire life to training these people into making sure they're up to speed. Right. And Adam Larson, one of the first people I ever hired, awesome guy from town, a teacher, uh, he just commented too, a training was different then. Absolutely. Uh, Adam... Adam had a very interesting um, experience in my business, which was I was still sloughing off the ways of my father. 
in running a business, which was, again, no, remember, I want to yep. hire you forever yeah. and I don't ever want to hear you speak. And right. I'm, just, I'm constantly going to yell at you, do it better and do it faster and act always disappointed in your work like that. <laughs> so Adam, Adam is one of the toughest dudes on the planet because he put up with me for a lot of years based on that as I was evolving as a leader. But it's mm -hmm. a good point for, for Mr. Cade, which was, listen, most business owners, especially young business owners, aren't sophisticated enough to say, I'm going to put away 80K and then we're going to do this and use that as my cushion. Right. A lot of the times we're growing young families too. So sure. just know that don't use that money as an excuse. If you want to grow this, you have one of the greatest assets that has ever been invented, which is your time. And you can choose to use it how you want. And I forsake, I have forsaken many evenings and weekends with my family in order to grow that business. But now coming back to it. So time, right. time or money will solve problems or both. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the, and when I say pile of cash, you know, ideally, you know, more is better. However, yeah. I just mean, especially at times like that, when you get that, when you're getting the first person or that incremental person, that's that's a stretch for you. Just having enough, just having the two week cushion so you can make that payroll. It doesn't have to be a huge pile of cash. You just have to plan on it and ha and know, okay, I got this covered for two weeks. I know I've got, that's where the analytics come in from knowing about your business and what you have in the queue, what you have coming, what you're about to be able to bill. All those things become very important. And, you know, the more you get, the bigger you get, you get a little bit longer runway. But when you're small, you that runway is a couple weeks and you got to make sure you're just thinking ahead of it and getting ahead of it. Hey, I can delay, I can delay this expense till the next month because the guy, you know, that vendor is, is good. He's on to me growing. He's good with me. He's, I can give you an extra 30 days to pay your materials bill, for example, or whatever, whatever, you know, there's lots of different examples of that. And, and then you're like, then you can say, okay, good. I got it. I got it covered. Now I can move forward. And, and, you know, a pile of cash is, is subjective too, right? Because when I, when I, when it was me plus one person, a two week payroll cushion was two grand. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, I mean, I, I, I ran, I, I do. <laughs> so there's another thing I took away from college, just in time inventory, which uh -huh. has with the painting industry with material shortages because sure. we only produce what we need, but I love it. Uh, one of the things you, <laughs> I practiced over the years is sort of just in time cash management too, which is, I feel like we run a razor's edge in this. Yeah. Um, I always like to put the money out where it can get a good return. Sometimes it's my business. Sometimes it's right. an investment property, something else. But right. you don't, again, it's not great to have three years worth of revenue laying around because inflation exactly. will destroy it. But you also, it can get slim though too, but it's all subjective. Right. Like right now we have a, we have a payroll cash reserve of 50 K and it's like, yep. wow, that seems like a lot of money, except in my business, that's still two weeks. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> <laughs> that doesn't. That can that can go away real quick. Sure. So, uh, but that is the. I would I would say the minimum amount is just have that. And um, right. one of the things that I use too, which was again, cash is elusive when you're growing a business because everything sucks it away, and you can be three hundred dollars to death very quickly. You know, you think, well, that's only three hundred. We'll do that, yeah. and then six of those pile up. But one of the things that I did very early on based on my financial advisor's recommendation was get a line of credit through your bank. Yes. And that is one of the most beautiful things. Jeez. It's a loan yeah. that technically you have that you can use whenever you want. So all of a sudden on a Sunday night, if you realize you need 500 bucks to make that payroll, that could be a yeah. very tough situation. If you have a line of credit, you go into your electronic bank, transfer yeah. 500 bucks, you owe a point or two on it at the end of it. You can pay it back a day later if you want, but right. it's you. You don't have to go sit in front of a banker and do that stuff. Yeah. So. <laughs>
Yeah, no, line of credit is really key. And I think I think people wait too long to to talk to their bank about it. Obviously, you know, having a track record with your bank is great. And if it's a bank where you also have your mortgage, for example, that you're doing have a business account as well, you know, those things all contribute to helping the bank say, now you're probably not if you're get if you're doing two hundred fifty thousand dollars in revenues a year, you're probably not gonna get a million dollar line of credit. However, at that stage, $10,000 line of credit is massive because all you need is I need an extra thousand this week. And as Nick said, you can pay it back next week. And the rates on those on those line of credit loans are generally really, really uh, attractive. I mean, it's not a big, the interest isn't going to kill you on those things the way a long-term term loan would. But again, use it judiciously, pay it off when you don't need it. It, you know, it's worth its weight in gold. Yeah, credit cards, that, by the way, is the other way. I people very shy away from credit cards, but I have grown businesses by using credit cards effectively, paying them off appropriately. But some, you know, if you need a month where you can't do it right away, or you can only pay half of it off, it's a great tool. Agreed. And listen, all those things at your disposal, and if you have your eye on job costing, it will give you the confidence you need to say, hey, sometime in the in the future, I'll probably be able to pay this off. But Tom, I do the same things, which yeah. was two days ago, I worked for four weeks to get uh, the main business credit card in my company, the the, yeah. the line of credit it, uh, increased. And yeah. but it's even, even though you put up some big numbers and stuff, those credit card companies, they'll still, man, they, uh, it's not an easy thing that you think credit card companies want to give you a whole bunch of credit and all this stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's interesting out there, but all tools, yeah. right? Yeah, it's worth, that is definitely worth doing. I'm going to, I'm going to opine for the old days, the old days. You talk to your bank, Hey, Joe, I need $50,000 on a credit. Uh, yeah, you're paying all your bills. Okay. Now it's like getting a colonoscopy. To, oh, listen, you got a line of credit, but you got to do it. I'm not saying not to do it. No, and it and it is a hundred percent worthwhile because again, it's like real businesses do this, but then real businesses also know that there's a profitable model out there so that they can pay this back. And this is a this is a temporary tool. This is a flex tool. This is not so. I, there, there are different ways to think about credit and all this stuff, which is right. in the year of COVID, we bought a commercial facility. That is a long-term 20-year obligation to that right. where you're actually growing equity in something. Sure. The credit card and the line of credit really is one of those things like you're just seeing a temporary dip in cash flow. This will fill yeah. the reserve up, but then you do something very quickly again with it to do that. Right. You don't use your credit card as a long-term equity building strategy no. like that. That is, a, no. that is just a temporary level yeah. out the tide a little bit. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it is a tool if you're using it effectively and, and paying it off every month, it does give you that latitude of, okay, I don't need, I don't need that cash until that, the payment date next 30 days. Again, all these things you struggle with and they ebb and flow, but the plan, that's why you planning is so important because you, yeah. you know, you need, need to pay those things back. You don't want to get in a long-term, you know, credit card debt or, or even line of credit debt, but you need to use them when you need them and then, you know, pay them off. It, it's just, uh, it's, it's all part of that process and it's not an easy, you know, necessarily an easy process, but if you, wherever you start and whatever you do, it gets you a hundred percent further than you were before. All right. So slipping into super selfish, two business owners having a cup of coffee and forget that we're live on the internet mode. Um, how, I mean, you own a business. How do you plan for next year? I actually saw Instagram posts of your team of, of the planning and stuff. What is your process? So our process starts out with, um, and this is a relatively new, we've been, we, 
we started a new uh, program for this uh, just about two years now ago. And, and this particular session, which we just finished this week uh, for the next quarter, for the first quarter next year, uh, was our best session yet. And, you know, like anything else, it evolves and it gets, you know, you get better and you're better and you refine it. But we start out with looking at, you know, where we went, where we've been, how'd we do last quarter. And then we start looking, and this is all really based on a three-year plan, but the three-year plan is a dream. That's not a, that's just a, okay, we're throw the spitball out there. And then you break it down to, then you go from the three-year plan down to a one-year plan. Mm -hmm. And then from one-year plan, you go down to quarterly plans. And what do those consist of? They are looking at where we're going as a company, as a big picture, and then, uh, and then establishing or figuring out and a lot of it is brainstorming and and just us talking back and forth and new ideas that we've come up with over the over the you know previous quarter uh and but we end up coming up with five five to six big picture things that we're going to work on that will contribute towards where we're trying to get to where we mm -hmm. believe we're going to go and those and then those things become get broken down into more individual tasks as needed to actually you know see how we're progressing during the quarter and we look at it you know all quarter long and talk about it as a team on how we're doing on things that we we it has a red yellow green coating so you know as long as you're green hey it's all good if you go yellow you say hey i need some help on this or i don't think we're going to make this what do we what do we need to replan because of that yellow or that red mm -hmm. to say yep not, not going to make it this quarter that's going to take another quarter so it, it really a plan isn't a finished thing. It's a, it's a work in progress. You know, you, you, you go through, you do it periodically, but it can evolve as you go through it. And the year plan very frequently, by the time we get to the third quarter, where we've changed a couple, tweaked a few things in that original, uh, you know, full year plan. So that, that's kind of, I know that's sort of a, a, uh, squishy version of what our plan is about, but but that's the process. What do we have to do financially? What do we have to do with product? What do we have to do with marketing? What do we need to do with sales to get where we want to go and meet next year's goal? The takeaway that I heard is you need to put a pin in the map somewhere in the future and work backwards to basically figure out today, what do we right. need to do to hit that goal? And right. legitimately, that is a sophisticated and mature business owners know that that's how it works. Right. Like that's yeah. that's just how it works. This isn't a right. novel idea. No. Every every real business out there, this is exactly what they do. And most of the time they are given that goal by somebody, uh, chief operating officer, chief, chief executive officer. And then they have to work back from it. But right. one of the best concepts I've ever, ever been introduced to is that which is when you talk to paint business owners, they all have the dream of blue drink in hand on a beach business stack and cash as the kids say and you're not involved at all and the problem is they are here today scraping mm -hmm. a barn and they have that in the future and then there there's basically nothing that connects it they're like well listen i'm just going to work really hard and that will happen right. and you can grit your way through a couple of years of business and grow arguably you could grow a, grow a pretty big business but right. grit will not keep you there you need right. to actually start this planning process so that connecting the blue drink to scrape in your barn and right. then figuring out, well, if we're, we're going to accomplish that in three, five, 10 years, what should I do tomorrow in order to exactly. do that? That is the success of business. Yep. 
Yeah, absolutely true. And it, and it happens in all different forms and there's all different stages of it when you, you know, there's a hundred different models for how to put those plans together, but they all boil down to pin, as you said, pin in the map out in the future. What do, where do we think we want to go? And then back it off till, you know, to 90 day chunks until you can, until you start chipping away at it. So Justin Fry commented, uh, going into my third year, I never thought about quarterly planning. So um, Justin, honestly, um, as somebody who's in progress of trying to be a leader and trying to be a business owner, I can tell you that up until about last year, I didn't do this either. Um, high level, we were we were grit growing uh, for many years. And I knew that, yes, you know, five years ago when it was me and, and another painter, Adam, we could have done this quarterly planning in a 10 year thing, but I knew the low hanging fruit was we need a proven product. And then we need to make sure that our people are trained up and there's that progression through there. Now we are sophisticated enough where our, we have our proven product. We have our people trained up. We've worked through, we got the employee resource guide, our, our handbook. We got job descriptions. We've done all the unsexy stuff that real businesses do. We added sophistication as we went. And now we're to the point where the leadership team who meets here is five or six people. And I can just bring something up. Like you said, bring up a problem and, let the magic happen. Let everybody's own input come in. And it's not just you trying to figure this stuff out. And these, this quarterly list of, of things to do is a hell of a lot easier when you have a team uh, because you can take those things that need to be done and disperse them. And then, like you said, green, yellow, red, you can actually hold them accountable uh, during the meeting to getting them done. When it was me and a single person painting company, you could make that list, but guess whose list that was? <laughs> you're, like, you're making your own list. And at yeah. that point, one of the most helpful things I did, I, I actually have a to-do list here. Uh, that's a Google spreadsheet. And there are legitimately 113 items on that list that are basically between, I need to do it this week to five years from now. Basically saying right now, <laughs> boiling that down to one or two things and just saying right. not looking at the other list is a right. great thing. And it feels daunting. It feels crazy. But honestly, I keep that living list there. It's amazing how much stuff gets checked off. Oh, yeah. Legitimately, just pick one thing, one thing, one thing. If you do one thing a week, that's 52 things in a yeah. year. That's <laughs> yeah, and it, having that methodology for it is absolutely fantastic. I will tell you that the, the, uh, it being, you know, nearing our second year uh, in this process, this during this round, as we as the le team lead leadership team has gotten more and more involved and is taking a you know bigger role, we came down to the end of the process and and I I said I don't I don't have anything on my list here, <laughs> and the coach said exactly exactly you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do i'm like oh wait a minute i need some to do this here one could argue that you have the, the the hardest thing on your list which is holding everybody else accountable to their lists which is that's again that that's an that's a weird effort thing sometimes i wish that i just had hey nick find out a new process for net promoter score like i wish i could just bury myself in that for a few days and come out of the other end but like right. leaders move beyond those technical tactical sort of things eventually and right. we have to we our 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 job description is we need we need to have a sellable asset that has a high base level of quality and how do we do that Net promoter score is one of those things so we have to take the chaos and right. focus it down to say in order to have this 
business be something that's sellable someday and the product still be good, we need a net promoter score. So now you task it out to a team member and then we mm -hmm. implement it and we see the results. So we have to come up with the list in order to give it to people sometimes. So right. <laughs> no, true. And, and we're, and this, again, this is one of the tricky things here is that this evolves as you grow. So the things you need when you're one or two people are different than the things you need when you're 15, 20, 100 people. So it, and, it, and it keeps changing. But, but the planning process helps you be aware of that as you grow. So you start saying, asking questions like, oh, well, maybe we need to look out more than a year now and see where the big, you know, where's the picture in three years? Because the other thing that does as you get as you get more leaders in on your team is, as you said, people will start standing up and say, well, I know the solution to that problem. And so when you look out three years and you say that's where we want to be, your team will start looking at that and going, well, I think we need we're going to need to do this and we're going to need to do that and we're going to need to do this. And some of them aren't just to do things. They're sort of putting processes in place and you know, introducing new, new concepts or new training programs or, or things like that. Um, but it starts to give everybody looks at that thing three years out, even though it's way out in the future and starts thinking, okay, what do we need to do to get there? And then you back that off to, okay, what are we gonna do this year to get there? And what are we gonna do quarter by quarter this year to get help get us closer to that goal? It brings, it brings a lot of comfort. And I, I will say from perspective, mm -hmm. when you think about a big goal, like, you know, in, in 2020, we grew 40%. Like mm -hmm. if you were, if, if, if in quarter one, you presented that goal, my team would have said, oh, Nick, 40%, let's double this company. Let's do this quarter, <laughs> quarter one. Yeah, you're laughing because quarter one of 2020 was before the zombie apocalypse, right? Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and it was the strongest economy that you could do no wrong in. Right. Then all of a sudden, quarter two, it changed a little bit. And mm -hmm. then if I would have presented that same 40% that said, I quit. If you're going <laughs> to, you want us to grow, our business is shut down right now. But when you think about what actually has to get done, if you say, we're going to grow 40% this year and track it down to little weekly things that you can do, be like, oh, I can absolutely do that this week in order to hit right. that goal. And, and honestly, that's where the thing that we love, data and feelings, comes into play, which is, the feelings is we should just shut this business down. There's no point in this anymore. There's a global pandemic. We're probably not going to be allowed to, to go. But then the data says leads are coming in. Yeah. People want to work for us. We're doing really good work going yeah. forward. You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's always opportunities. There was a, a yeah. Canadian painting company that I was talking to early on in the pandemic, probably Mar March or April. Um, and they were booming and he, and basically he said, we're the only company answering the phone. It's true. <laughs> and so people, are, people are desperate to get stuff done and they, they just, you know, they showed up and that's really, that's what part of the planning thing is, is ignore the bullshit and just move forward. That's it. And pay attention yeah. to, <laughs> there's so many, there's so many, like <laughs> this conversation is bringing up so many things that I wish I knew five years ago that I do know now to be true, which yeah. is really good businesses do all that mundane, unsexy, boring stuff really well and consistently. Right. Every, I mean, job costing is obviously the, the, the most touchable thing of that. It couldn't be more boring most of the time. You're right. adding up material and labor, but honestly, the people who do that every day consistently and then look at it and make decisions off it, that honestly might be the secret of business. People's ability yeah. to strap in and do that uh, daily, yeah. weekly, monthly, quarterly, right? It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's critical. It really yeah. is. Really makes it, things work. And, 
Yeah. And what people want is, you know, a magic strategy, or they think that there's good, they're going to find a magic human that will do all this. But even those things, if you do find, listen, you could argue, I've been very lucky to find magic humans in, in this business here, but you have to realize that just putting all your, your, just betting that that will go on forever is not a thing. And right. you can extend that. Like people will move and they'll have family things and whatever. Sure. You can extend that period where they're with you by being intentional and developing and, and having connectedness. But you do have to stay on it. You can never rest on your laurels. It, it feels right. like constant effort from guys in our chairs mm -hmm. is basically what's needed. And just knowing that, I feel good about that effort now. Right. right. <laughs> you have to do it. If you don't do it, you will not be... Uh, you'll not get there. I, yeah. I worry when I see smaller uh, contractors who aren't, who's got a lot of potential. They are great at the service part of the business, but as any, you know, anybody in any business, you, you have to look at, you know, what you're doing right now and then say, okay, is this, is this good for me for the next 30 years or 20 years or however long I think I want to go until I sort of, change how I get, you know, what I do every day, not necessarily retire, but you know, you want to have, you need to do, be looking towards some sort of an end game as a business owner. You have to look at, you know, ideally your business is never going to end. You're, you may get to the end and you may sell it, or you may get to the end and, and you're and a, you know, some of your employees may, may buy you out. There's lots of end games, but you got to have something you have to, you know, when you get to that end game and it, and that's an important part. And it doesn't mean you, you know, you don't have to set your goals at being Google or, or, you know, Apple or some, you know, or a $800 billion company, mm -hmm. but you do have to set some goals and this planning process can help you start to get a handle on, okay, well, here's what we're doing and we're struggling. What can we do to get, you know, to make, what can we do to get to a different struggle? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I love that. <laughs> and, and a higher order struggle. And, yeah. and we hope that someday we've conquered enough of the lower struggles where our main struggle is how can I make the lives of my family, my community, the state and the right, world right. better around us? We have right. the free time and the resources and the ability to actually make take our efforts and money and then affect those around us and not just keep right. our world so insular and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, um, huge. Man, uh, so many, so many takeaways from a conversation like this. I feel like we've started a list of, yeah, those things that I wish I would have known about real businesses. Uh, cause I felt like a sucker all those years. Um, yeah, it's such a, such a I, there's like a thousand thoughts going through my head right now uh, about where to go next. Um, right. Tom, what's on your, what do you want to, what, what, what should we be thinking about? Um, I mean, so specifically short-term, these kinds of planning conversations. But again, looking, having part of that planning process be, hey, what if down the road? So so this process that, that we use actually, I, I mentioned three years, but there's mm -hmm. also this thing called the BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal. Yeah. That's somewhere out in the future, like 10 years, 15 yeah. years, you know, some unknown time. It's hard to plan even for a year, but this is like, this is like, you know, who, how do you picture yourself? Is it the blue drink with the umbrella <laughs> on the beach, you know, look at Billy Ray um, <laughs> or, or whatever it is, you know, or, or you're doing volunteer work because you you're done with the business side and you want to go make things better for other people and help other people. Having that, that picture out there is really critical. 
you know, and we, ours is still a growth one. So, you know, I, I still see us being, being in a whole different place 10 years from now and, and serving hopefully a huge percentage of people and helping them thrive and build their businesses. And who knows, some of this planning stuff may become part of what we do because you need it. it I mean, people need the help and, and yeah. I needed the help. I've been working with a business coach for 30 years, different ones along the way, because you need yeah. different coaches at different times. But, that is true. And, and uh, when, so another great one of those, uh, here's what real businesses do, uh, knowing that when you put down the 10 year goal, which is the, honestly, Tom, the one I struggle with the most because oh, it's hard. You, you feel like such an egotistical <laughs> sometimes when you do it, like I put this 10 year goal down and it's like, you just feel so self-conscious, especially us introverted people from Minnesota. Like, hey, we're going to have a $12 million company. You're like, all right, pal. Like, what yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. But honestly, when you back it up, you're like, listen, um, 10 years from now, you know, that's we're, that, we're a quarter of the way there. Like, you know, No, that's actually the, the coolest part for me in that exercise is the data. Because I say, okay, this is going to be this big number. But then you actually extrapolate it back a few years and it's like, Hey, we actually could do that. <laughs> you know, know? <laughs> uh, confessions of a business owner. When I'm on planes, I, 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 you, you know, Google's our platform for almost everything. And I put yep. a lot of things to read offline, right? Things sure. that'll keep my brain busy on the plane. Yep. I have a guilty pleasure that I do, which is I take different business models and I try to do quick sniff tests of revenue, inputs you know material and labor yeah. and how many people it would take to do that and then you start playing with the next thing that's super interesting for me is what does a support or a leadership team look like like how many technical managers do you need per person and you start playing around with those those numbers mm -hmm. and you try to say okay thought experiment i want a 10 million dollar painting company and let's see if we can get to a 25 percent true net profit which is 10 points higher than an industry average yeah. and i am such a nerd man i play around with these things on there like okay so here's the here's the levers we can move if we could get our sales team on an industry average to sell a million but what if i can coach them up to sell two million what would i what would that look like they would and then God, this is an idiot. So then you start thinking, okay, here's how many leads you need. Here's what those leads cost currently. Here's how many estimates they'd have to do a day. And you start putting the data to it. And all of a sudden you're like, you know what? It's going to be super intentional. It's going to take a lot of effort. But honestly, I think right. if I had the right leadership team, we could do a $10 million painting company with a 25% true net profit. Yeah. Millions of things would have to go right. But here it is on paper. Right. We right. know exactly what we'd have to do to get it right. And that's my guilty pleasure. I do those right. spreadsheets. <laughs> Millions of things have to go right for it to work. But actually, hundreds of things or maybe even thousands of things could go wrong and you can still make it. You know what? That That, that is absolutely part. true. And and we should say uh, one of the smartest people I've ever met in our industry uh, said something years ago that has never not stuck in my head, which was, our, we are limited only by our own ability to execute our business plans. Mm -hmm. So again, circle back to the start of this conversation. If you think the pandemic was the reason you didn't do well, like less, I, I was in New York, dudes got legally shut down, right? Okay, that hurts. Right. But a lot of them did really well that year. If right. you think inflation is the reason, if you think the labor stuff is, if you think the material prices are the things that are holding you back, it's not that. Yeah. Paint, 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 uh, uh, 
increases, paint price increases are not that big of a deal. And there are a thousand other levers in your business plan that you can pull. Right. And a lot of times we're super lax with the ones that are painful, that deal with us improving. And mm -hmm. it's easy to, to point to Sherwin and Benjamin Moore and say, you guys need to do better because I'm staring at your numbers, you know? So it's, a, yeah, it, it, it's part of like just holding, yeah, self-accountability is the hardest thing with all that. Yeah, really. It is, it is. And we have to take, we have to take ownership and everybody on the team has to take ownership and great things happen. I love it. So I'm going to take one more, uh, one more look through to see if we've missed any questions here. I love uh, Chris Shank uh, must be at the helm of uh, Estimate Rocket this morning. And he's posting <laughs> some comments too. love Chris Shank. Uh, Chris Shank, if you can in time, man. Uh, one of the things that uh, I always poke Chris Shank about and put him on the um, and put him in the spotlight of is Chris is one of the deepest thinkers I know and loves poetry. So, and I always ask him at the end of every time we have a thing, hit me with a line, hit me with something you've been thinking about. So Chris, if you're able, if you're at the helm and you have the time and the willingness, uh, comment with something you've been reading lately, because he always comes across with a, with a deep thought or something that sticks with us. So he um, has an incredible reading list too. I'm telling you, that guy is a prolific reader. <laughs> you know, what's what's really interesting is that uh, Chris Shank and I go back to pre-industry. Uh, before Chris uh, Shank even entered this crazy world of paint business contracting, um, our wives were Instagram friends. And Chris and I knew each other oh, before geez. that. And when Chris got into the industry, he's like, hey, I'm kind of like getting into this painting world. Uh, I only know one house painter and he talked to me and and then the relationship began. So uh, kind of a crazy world. But I originally, my knee jerk reaction to Chris's reading list was that's all BS. Nobody <laughs> reads that much heady stuff. You, you're saying that to make yourself look smarter. And then you realize he's read 10 times more than whatever you know about. And you're just right. like, oh, wow, he's one of the ones who actually does read that stuff. So <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. that. Chris and I regularly have good conversations about, about reading. All right. Uh, asked and received. So Chris Shank, the hallmark of a second raider is resentment of another person's accomplishment. Ooh, very true. Wow, that's spicy for Chris Shank too. I like it that. Is. That's a very, that's a very declarative statement. Normally he gives something that's open for a lot of interpretation. I love that, man. I love that. <laughs> Classic. Uh, Dave Pine, last question. And then, uh, then Tom will give you a chance to close out the show here. Uh, Dave Pine, uh, where's Estimate Rocket based out of? Just saw a pic of a Christmas party in Newburyport, Massachusetts, 20 minutes away from us. Would yeah. love to get together since our customers are trying to uh, learn your services. Where are you cool. guys out of? Uh, we are in Newburyport. We are. <laughs> we're, we walked to that, uh, that party you saw. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> Yeah, uh, shoot uh, Tom at EstimateRocket.com and I can get you hooked up with the right people. And I, I will say this, I, I've met Dave Pine, one of the coolest paint business owners you're ever going to meet. He does some super progressive stuff. He also puts awesome. out some really good social media content. So you guys would love to get together about that stuff. So, Sweet. Um, and it's also cool to hear the towns of, uh, of Massachusetts because uh, some of my favorite colors in the world are Benjamin Moore colors and all the historic line are basically named all after that, you know, towns, towns, and yeah. all those old historic towns and stuff. So yeah. it's, it's cool to see a, a name and a place connected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So Mr. Drost, uh, if people want to talk to you, uh, if people want to learn about Estimate Rocket, if people want to learn about the conference you have going on, what do we do? Sure. Uh, so... Uh, for all of those things, our website is great. If you want to get a hold of me directly, it's just tom at estimaterocket.com. 
uh, and happy to hear from you. We do have a we do have a chat on our website, and if you're in and if you have Estimate Rocket, we have a chat in the, in inside of the app. Uh, so great, another great way to get a hold of us. I think Chris just posted a link for the Vision Conference that we're doing, and we're coming into session six on that. And um, there's uh, a total of eleven. We're doing them every two weeks. Uh, so a lot of material. Hopefully, you know. Hopefully you've already done your planning for this year, but this will be good help for next year's planning uh, process or next quarter's planning process. No, I love it. And, and Chris, Chris did post that link. I'm looking at uh, the next the next get to uh, the next conference you have cost benefit analysis, which is again yeah. something yeah. that deeply interests me. Uh, profit planning, smart priorities, team meetings, and company vision. So come on, yeah. folks. This is all the stuff that us business owners like. Doesn't matter what yeah. business you're in, and uh, to be able to talk it over with somebody at a high level, good yeah. thing. So, um, fun stuff. Tom, as always, thank you for taking time. It is Saturday. This is all family time kind of stuff. Chris, you as well at the helm here, and all the other painters watching. I appreciate this, but again, it's important to invest in ourselves and our futures and things like this because in the day to day workings of what we do. It's a lot of reactionary stuff. We're, we're working our plans and things. And it's good to take time to force yourself to take that second and third and fourth order thinking, you know, and not limit you. So again, Tom, I, I don't get sick of this stuff with you. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm picturing a, 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 a new series called uh, Businessmen in Cars getting in, on videos getting coffee or something like that. I love this. Like two, two, two ex-accounting nerds who are now business owners who like to get together and talk about some economic terms, some business principles. Like I, I like this stuff a lot. So we will definitely stay in contact. Everybody, thank for you sure. for this. And uh, this is the time of the year where business owners like to get introspective. If you look at my emails and DMs, it is all sorts of business owners having all sorts of these deep philosophical thoughts at the end of this year. And December is my favorite time forever so <laughs> all right everybody uh thank you for watching thank you tom thank you everybody else and have Thanks, a good weekend paint ed podcasts are produced by the painting contractors association and is made possible by members and industry partners to find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining pca visit pcapainted.org